Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Scott, you didn't work out this morning. You're complaining before we got on. You know, gun show is not in town today. And it pisses right. daddy. I need the exercise. I need the norepinephrine. I need to feel... Young. What is your exercise routine for the people who might want to know, not me? I do CrossFit four times a week for the last Whoa. decade, and I've worked out four times a week for the last 40 years. It's not wow. easy being a four on a scale of one to 10. It takes real <laughs> Wait, work. Do you have like a coach at CrossFit, or do you have a gang of CrossFitters? Oh, my God. I got I got a coach. I got a community. I yeah. got a doctor who's prescribed me testosterone. Oh, nice. I've got okay. an, a diet that's crazy. I am coming down there. Do I have to do this or can I sleep late in law and eat oh, donuts? Oh, no, it's wonderful. We Biden. do it outside. It's wonderful. You'll like I'm it a lot. I'm not doing CrossFit. There's no way. I once saw a bunch. Well, I do of, old man CrossFit. Which is what? Which is <laughs> it's what? More like, it's more like cross wimp. It's, okay. um, I saw this bunch of Silicon Valley people in Manhattan Beach do it. And they were like dragging like pipes like uh, full of sand across the across the beach. I found it ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's uh, I used to do it with a bunch of uh, young people, specifically lesbian firefighters and bartenders oh, on HGH. I could m- maybe do that. And I just ahead. could not compete. I just right. could not compete. Uh, so it got too intense for me. So now I do it. So it was feats of strength. You couldn't keep up with the lesbians, the lesbian firefighters. On a They're lot tough. of levels. On a lot of levels, Kara. <laughs> tough mo- bunch <laughs> no, of but mothers. I'm, I'm being very serious here. I, I am too. When I wrote my book on happiness, I think really the... It's, uh, I'm very, very serious. I struggle yeah, with anger and depression. It's, it's, it's my antidepressant. And cool. also, the only thing I've ever found that is anything resembling a youth serum is oh. exercise. Yeah, uh, you're 100%. I try to do it, but I, of course, never get to do it because I have so many children. Speaking of children, do you know I adopted my daughter this, this week, officially? I don't even know what that means. I, could, gay people are not in automatically parents, so uh, continued. Uh, so because of all kinds well, of things. Well, it's but, a perversion, Kara. It's a perversion. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, if our when, maker had wanted two when, women to have a child. All right. When Claire was born in New York, which I wasn't aware of because you were allowed to do this in San Francisco, if you're not married at the time, and we got married soon after, um, uh, you do not get on the birth certificate. And that is not the case in San Francisco. That wasn't the really? case. And so they they literally walked in. They're like, you can't be on the birth. It was such a shock because it was like being slapped back 20 years ago, much like what's going on in Arkansas. Um, and it that was, but weird. now it's fixed. DC granted me parentage, parentage, whatever you call it, parental. Do you want me to be, do you want me to be the dad? I've worked no, out four times a week. No, you need a dad. We're our own do you want family. Me on the, you want a little daddy on the birth certificate? No, no. We have Kara Swisher on the birth certificate. Da-da. If you give me any trouble, the lesbian She's firefighters cute. will be there to help She's you cute. understand I'll, this thing. I'll be the, I'll be the no, adopted dad there. No, no, you She's cannot. She's a cutie. She is a cute. She's a sweetheart, too. Anyway, that is what happened to me. Well, so I I, to that is, is my happiness this that's week. That's total I'm, bullshit that you even have to do that. I didn't even I know. know what you meant. That seems so ridiculous. Yes, it is ridiculous. But here we are. It was very expensive. It was onerous. And you have to, you know, adopt your own child, which is like, which we, we, we went insane. in and had the kid with fully intention of having the kid together. I that's know. totally insane. You should have seen the piles of legal documents that you said for my other kids. Uh, and is this, because, it's crazy. is this because of the 
adoption end of it or because it's two women who are the parents? I do. You know what? We're not presumed, even if you go into it with intent, you have to be now married. And it's just the whole thing is so ridiculous that straight people take for granted every day of their lives. And so it's a really, it's an interesting situation. And what was good though, it was, you know, you see heartening things like the Department of Defense rolling back the trans, uh, uh, rules that uh, bans that uh, Trump put in place, and the, the, all the DoD people were tweeting it out, which was great, and they did all kinds of studies. Which, of course, twenty plus countries have have trans people serving in their military without any problem, and uh, we're back to uh, them now, which is amazing. It's just it continues, and the Arkansas thing it just continues. My son was shocked by that. Uh, he was like, what? You can't get treatment in Arkansas if they don't want to. I was sort of like, yes. Like, what do you want me to say? Anyway, this is not meant to be a big giant gay rights rally, there, but I'm there, very happy about adoption. There, there is a, a, I think the the thing that's been most, I would say, upsetting about the last, call it five years since Trump was elected, was not even the policies of Trump, but that, and I use, use the analogy that the comedian Michelle Wolf that we'd heard mom was an alcoholic in college, but mm-hmm. you know now mom is mom and she's great. And then we're at church on Sunday and her purse bursts open and, a, and 40 mini bottles of Jack come flying yeah. out. And we go, oh my God, we're still, mom's still an alcoholic. I, I think the American public has had this sort of cold comfort that if racist, homophobic people are exposed yeah. to people no. with different demographics, to people with no. different sexual orientation, that over time, everyone generally Some. gets better. Some. I, and I think we sort of, that was very comforting, that that, that we have a really ugly past, but every day it got, gets better. And then it feels like the last five years, it's, they're th- this still group there. of people who did not want to get better yeah. kind of came out of the closet and we took a big giant step backwards. So and it's speak. really discouraging. It felt like the first time, I think kind of the first time America like took a giant step backwards, so to speak. It was just weird. Weird yeah. re- they, realizing. They're right. they're, they're, I have always said they're sitting around the edges waiting for a minute. They're in yeah, the I edges think a lot of, the, of us didn't realize the they were there. Oh, I do. I'm always aware of that, especially, you know, in my case, it's anti-gay stuff, but I am uh, constantly aware of it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's insidious. And, it, and now I have to think about states I don't want to go to. I didn't used to think about it. I did and then didn't. And then it's crazy. Um, speaking of the army, uh, uh, they, uh, the Microsoft won an army contract to build a did custom augmented that? reality headset. $21 Microsoft now has two. He, they had the one uh, that they won from Amazon that Trump kind of pushed away from Amazon. Um, the device does things like overlay a map and compass and thermal imaging to show people in the dark. Um, it also shows the aim for a weapon. It's sort of like yeah. video games. And this is stuff that's been in the movies, which is interesting, but now is here. A significant source of revenue for futuristic projects. Amazon and Microsoft competed for contracts to provide cloud services for the military. Microsoft won that, and it's, I think it's still in court. Uh, Microsoft employees complained. We didn't sign up to develop weapons, of course. The Army argues that the technology helps the military be more accurate and prevents killing of civilians. Um, anyway, it's, you know, Microsoft is staying in the defense business. It's a big business, as you said. There's lots of areas like healthcare, but defense yeah. certainly is an area that tech has not been as dominant in. And of course, Elon got a um, a space contract over yeah. the big space people, the aerospace industry. So yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. just more of this, more of this. What do you think? What do you think of this? Well, I mean, this was staggering. Yeah. Uh, this is potentially- We talked about a t- Microsoft killing it. So, well, that's not the way you should put it. Uh, well, this- well, it's interesting. So on a number of levels. So VR, everyone's like, okay, VR is the ultimate application for gaming or right. for porn or for, for AI, real estate really or uh, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, no, it's not. If, if you look at revenues, the killer app for AR is warfare. Yeah. And the fact that our military is committing up to, I mean, you realize that this contract is almost as big as the revenues of Tesla. This contract, just the AR contract for Microsoft is now a bigger business in isolation than Pinterest, Snap, and Twitter combined. Mm-hmm. $21 billion is real cabbage. Yep, it really is. And it's. I wonder if it's one of those things where a massive investment by the government and the military, similar to DARPA or something, finally takes VR, AR kind of to a tipping point and it starts to leak down or melt into the consumer economy. I've yeah, always been very doing bearish some of this. on VR. I've read on various and sundry where they're they're playing video games when they're doing drone stuff. And yeah. um, it's already moved in this direction. And I think more so in the future, there's going to be this sort of, not just, uh, there's cyber warfare and then there's 
warfare using these augmented reality things. And it makes sense if we have this in real life that they're going to, you know, they're going to put this into the military. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, which employees don't want to do this. I think every tech, you know, Google got a real pushback from its employees working for the Defense Department, obviously Amazon with ICE um, and stuff like that. But these companies, this is a huge opportunity for all these companies. Well, not to, only that, to, but they just went in response to employees complaining they didn't go to work for, mm-hmm. you know, a company to sell into the military. They just basically send out a memo that says, dear employees, grow the fuck up. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yep. the, US, yep. the, 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 the protections and the liberties we enjoy are directly correlated to the sacrifices and resources we provide our young men, even if you don't yep. agree with bad wars or whatever. The notion that any company of this size isn't ultimately going to somehow directly or indirectly mm-hmm. uh, work with the government and with our defense, it's, I don't know, grow up. It sucks to be a grown-up. sucks yeah, for you. True, but I Go think, I think Google is not going to be Go to work able... for Ben and Jerry's or Birkenstock. <laughs> okay, I think Google is not going to do that pushback. I think no. they got enormous pushback around a lot of stuff. Um, you know, it's, I, it, it, they're going to have to, it's a management thing. They're going to have to figure out a way to manage it or move employees who don't mind over to it. Um, they can't, they're not going to be able, these, these employees have power, you know, it's not un, unlike vocal minority, Amazon warehouse workers. Vocal minority. Okay. That may I be, but yeah. they should provide for, you don't have to work on it if you don't want to. Yeah. They should. They're not going to make people do it. There's no way Silicon Valley is oh, going to yeah. do that. I agree. I agree. Um, anyway, also an, an area you uh, a, a totally shifting to a different area. Compass yesterday, uh, uh, before its IPO, cut the valuation in half. Mm. Um, it, it announced it, it wants to go public at a valuation of seven billion and to the original ten billion. That's not quite half. So t- talk about this. This is something you wanted to talk about today. But I, I use Compass to buy my houses, which is interesting. But really? I use you know re- regular real estate agent, not you know in their technological way. But explain for the people why this. What, what this indicates. This is muy interesante because it's sort of, I call these companies rich little companies. Remember Rich Little? He used to impersonate people. He was a great, he yes, used to go I Johnny Rich Carson. Little. I thought he was great. This is, SoftBank is sort of famous for pretending that a company is a tech company. And yeah. remember, we as a tech we company, work, you know, right? work work as a service. Mm-hmm. And essentially Compass is trying to position itself as a tech company. They are. And it's not. It's, yeah, it's got, I, I use a living, breathing person, but go ahead. Well, you could argue that it's tech-enabled, but essentially yeah. 78% of the revenues are commissions paid out to humans called brokers. Right. And right. they've adopted a capital as a strategy strategy, and that is they're spending <laughs> more money than their peer group, which, by the way, can work. When Amazon spent more money, uh, had access to cheap capital, and then leveraged that incredible storytelling of Jeff Bezos to get cheap capital that they then made these massive investments as long as mm-hmm. their investors would tolerate losses, which was longer than any other company in history. But when you invest tens of billions of dollars in warehouses, the warehouses won't pick up and leave and go across the street the moment someone else offers yes. them a higher wage, which is what brokers will. Brokers are they some of the most- talent co- business. Well, and they're some of the most coin-operated people in the world. They're they basically are. just send me, and, and what, what essentially, essentially Compass has done is said to these individuals, we'll give you all of your commissions, not half, to come over here. And they made some acquisitions, but it's basically a roll-up strategy of traditional brokerages Mm-hmm. Based on capital as a strategy, strategy. There's some tech. There's some tech, but here's Talk the thing. Talk about their tech, the thing they try to sell. Like, I know that, that that's their big push. And I was always like, aren't you just a real estate broker? Well, like, you, I, I don't know. It feels like a broker holding an iPad, as, as far yeah. as I can tell. But I, yeah. <laughs> I I will say this. A colleague of mine, Foster Provost at NYU Stern, yeah. is this incredibly bright data guy yeah. who's worked for the biggest telcos in the world. And he works full-time or almost full-time. At Compass. So there's clearly something there around analytics. But here's the problem. It's about yeah. valuation. And then that is, if you look at Realogy, they do about $6 billion in revenues, and their market cap is $1.5 billion. So they trade at about 0.25 uh-huh. uh, times revenues. And then there's Redfin, which does about, uh, excuse me, and then there's Zillow. Which mm-hmm. does about three billion in revenues and has a thirty billion dollar market. They trade it ten times because that's yeah. generally an online real estate media company, and also mm-hmm. they're in i buying now, and it's run yep. by an incredibly impressive. And then CEO. selling all kinds of things off to the side. That's right. And moving so, and, and so the valuation leads. here is somewhere between 0.25 if you're a traditional uh, revenues or traditional real estate company, <laughs> and ten mm-hmm. times if you're a tech company. So yeah. the S one is trying to say, for God's sakes, we're rich little, we're tech, we're tech, we're tech, and the reality is. 
I don't think the market buys it. And they're trying to go out, even with this reduced valuation, they're trying yeah. to go out at two to three times revenues as opposed yeah. to 0.25, which is where traditional brokers go. So I think this is, it's interesting. Goldman is running the book and Goldman is very good at creating demand. Uh, so I'm, I'm remiss to make a prediction that the stock won't, yeah. won't do well. But, but you don't I, think retail investors think this is like... The second coming of real you estate. Know, that, this smells a lot like another real estate company that had entered into consensual hallucination with the marketplace around WeWork? its valuation. And that's another soft bank bad company in real estate, WeWork. Now that's yeah, which totally is coming flipped. back in a better way. Yep. Yeah. So and this kind of goes, this will go to my prediction, but it feels, this feels eerily reminiscent, a company pretending to be a tech company such that they can get a much higher valuation than is warranted. Yeah. And the market, the market has learned here, the market is regurgitating. It's supposed to go public this morning. It'll price. Yeah. Goldman we'll is the best in the world at creating institutional demand and filling the book to make sure that the IPO is successful, but they've cut the price several times. Whereas if you look at Airbnb and these other guys, they kept raising the price raising range. The price, yeah. Yeah. So this people know what a duck is. Duck is a duck. There you it's go. A it's a duck with an iPad. All right. We're going to move on to our big story. <laughs> like that. That's good. <laughs> We're going to move on to our big story. This week, Biden detailed his $2 trillion infrastructure plan. How many zeros is that? That's bigger than the entire federal government budget. He calls it a once-in-a-generation investment, the largest since World War II, since we built the highway system and since the space race. It will require 15 years of higher taxes on corporations, raising the rates from 21% to 28%. He's giving $50 billion to boost his the domestic chip industry, a big boost to electric cars. He promised faster internet and better transit, electric charging station. It imagines a different energy future. Second part of the plan invests in human infrastructure, aid to the poor, paid leave, help with child care. The plan also includes Right to Organize Act to counter uh, right to work laws. There's also train stuff with Amtrak wants, which they put out a fantastic map that essentially says, screw you, Christine Nome. Um, it, it totally avoids her state. Um, uh, this is long overdue. And I, I, let me just say, um, uh, I did an interview with Mariana Matsukato, who talked about this idea of government doing these important moonshots in areas like climate change or infrastructure. Uh, but can it ever pass? This is big. This is. I think this is wonderful. I think it's just yeah, wonderful. Me too. We are the apex species. The business model of our species responsible for our success is capitalism. And the ballast and the success of capitalism is a robust middle class. And slowly but surely... Kara, slowly but surely, surely, we have increased Social Security taxes and payroll taxes and individual income taxes, and we have reduced, we have reduced corporate income taxes to the point where only one in twelve dollars versus mm -hmm. one in two dollars of of receipts from the government come from corporate taxes versus individual income taxes. So essentially, what yeah. we've said is, corporations, you pay. You pay less and individuals, mm -hmm. you pay more. And we continue the one of the most dangerous trends in our society where we've decided we don't like people, but we love corporations. And what mm -hmm. happens? What happens? I'm on, I was, when the tax cuts, the Trump tax cuts went through from 38 to 21 percent uh, in 2017, I was on a board of a media company and a board of a retailer, both multi-billion yeah. dollar companies. And all of a sudden in the board meeting, we're like, oh my gosh, uh, what's the earnings and the cash flow surprise? All of a sudden, it's like huge. It's like, well, it's the uh, uh, advantageous tax cuts. And what did we do with that money? Did we hire more people? Give it did to we rich invest people. In factories? No, we used it for share buybacks or cash yeah. on our balance sheet, which does what? It juices the stock price. Mm -hmm. And by the way, who owns ninety percent of stocks by dollar volume? The top one percent. Yeah. So all we have done, all we have done with increasing the tax liabilities of individuals as a percentage of our government. And by the way, as a percentage of total tax receipts, individual taxes have not gone up. We've just funded it with taxes on your daughter for when she's when she's old enough to be a taxpayer. We've racked up massive oh, debt. Mean to my we, daughter. We have just transferred slowly but surely wealth, which is nothing. What, money is just a transfer of time and work. So we have said we want the top 1% or shareholders to work less and spend more time with their families such that the middle class and future generations can spend less time with their families. It is criminal yeah. what's gone on yeah. here. This this is like a, it's not, you know, people, the Republicans are trying to put it off as a goodie bag, but this is the kind of big thinking, the big LBJ, Great Society, the FDR. This is the, 
I, I kind of like it. He didn't go, he went for broke. Now, interestingly, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez was on the things they needed even more, but this was as much as they said it was going to be, which it never is, right? That's It'll get one clipped thing. back. He's starting He'll He'll get starting clipped back, But he didn't back down first. Like yeah. that was, that people were, I think, surprised by the breadth of this, like go for, go for it. And what was really interesting was how it's going to be paid. I think there's nobody against taxing corporations, even though they lobbyists, but I think it's a great populist thing for him. Um, it put money in lots of really interesting places. It, it has an innovative element, um, but, you know, $50 yeah, like billion dollars to boost domestic chip industry, right. cars, better trains, better, you know, human, this human infrastructure, the idea of, of uh, paid leave and help with childcare. Mm-hmm. We should have full childcare. That's an install. That's to be something we should do, but you know, whatever we hate children and women in this country in a lot of ways. Um, but the, the, it's it, this, this, this is very breathful. You know, it'd be interesting to how you pass it, though. How do you get this pass? And the argument's about too much debt. Um, obviously, there's a big climate plan in here, too. Um, so there's all kinds of things to like for different people. And it's also a lot of things that people who are worried about debt and other things do not like. Yeah, it's so again, infrastructure. What is infrastructure? Infrastructure is an investment in the middle class because when the J train is only running every two hours instead of every 15 minutes from Brooklyn into yep. the city, who gets hurt? Yeah. The the assistant or the secretary uh, and not the, the executive gets to take an Uber or kind of figures it out or has a driver. So infrastructure is an investment in the middle class. It's also an investment in brand building. I, I you know, I remember the first time I I went to China, I flew into the new Hong Kong airport, and then I went to the Shanghai airport. And I'm like, Jesus, these people take themselves very seriously. Yeah, Singapore airport. And then I fly into JFK and I think, Jesus Christ, are are there chickens and goats running around here? It felt like, (laughs) you think, okay, what happened? Oh my God, you're right. What happened to us? And the the infrastructure is- Same thing with train stations. Like they're making a big deal of this new New York one. I'm like, Penn Station's been a pit my entire life. And now they have a train station they're like going yay that sort of reaches basic levels with Europe. Basic, like not even as nice as Europe one still. Penn Station really is supposedly pathetic. one of the great architectural crimes of hi- in history, especially it was beautiful. Penn and then they station, tore it down to make I, this just disgusting architectural. It's not even actual, charming in its grossness. Yeah. Like some things that are like old and broken down are charming. Are you talking Penn about sta- me again? Are you yes. talking about me again? Do you know I do CrossFit? Penn Station I do CrossFit. It's the worst place on earth. Yeah. I'm surprised I'm not dead having been in there 900 times. Like, I, anyway. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not right. a big Penn Go ahead. Station Keep going. fan. I'm, I'd had a little side train rant there. Yeah, no, we love anyone who's been to Europe loves trains, even though they make no economic sense whatsoever. But look, infrastructure is an investment in the country and it's an investment in the middle class because the people who really need roads and public transportation are the middle Internet class. Access. And oh, oh my yeah. gosh, broadband. He's, I think, a bridge too far here is they're now claiming that social programs that feel very UBI like are infrastructure investments. Yeah. But I, I love this and and mm. the the swing back to protecting and loving Americans as opposed to American corporations is long overdue. The problem they're going to face, the problem they're going to face is yeah. they're going to have to figure out either multinational tax treaties or some sort of crazy punishment for companies that decide to do an inversion. And that is overnight, they said, well, we have an Amsterdam office. We'll just make our headquarters Amsterdam because they have lower tax rates. Yeah. Uh, because now if you add up all the taxes with this increase to 28, the average tax rate on corporations will be 33%, making it the highest of any OECD country. Even though it'll only make up probably 10 or 11% of our total tax receipts, it'll still be an issue they have to face. What happens when these companies um, decide to do these inversions? That's still a big issue. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if they do that. You know, that, that there's always that. We're going to go somewhere else. We'll go. Go ahead. Well, the problem is some have. I, I don't yeah, know. some have. But I mean, in an inversion is nothing different. They just file paperwork yep. and say our, our headquarters are now in the Isle of yeah, Man. Yeah, it just is not a good look for companies. I don't know. They well, don't it's care. an interesting question. They don't it's an care. interesting question. You know, we'll see if these, these is, it, pushing corporations to do things is really interesting. What, De- what happened with Delta and, uh, and Coca-Cola suddenly in Georgia post the, these rule, these uh, voter uh, laws passing to say, oh, we really think we hate them after not seeming to do anything before. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Well, Tim but Cook came out against it. Uh, he did too. Yeah. They all did. Yeah, they're all doing it. Like, but it's post. They should have poured some money in there during the making of it, but there was nothing to do. Now, what's really interesting is instead of just dealing with it, the Georgia Senate is trying to clap back at Delta. Good luck, my friends. You're, <laughs> the problem party really doesn't want corporate money, I guess. That's really what's going on here. They just don't want, they want to be the party of, they want to give the corporations over to the Democrats in terms of donations and everything else. It's really quite odd uh, what's happening there. We'll see what goes on. 
All right, Scott, this is really, we like this plan. Scott and Carol love this plan, Infrastructure. correct? Infrastructure. I can't believe you don't like trains. You like trains, no, don't no, you? No, no, I, I love train travel. They're just, it's just incredibly expensive. I mean, it's yeah, awesome. It really, economically, the only- f- I, Yeah, I'm going to get on, as soon as I get my next vaccine, I'm going to get on an Amtrak. The only <laughs> the only feasible, the only feasible high-speed rail, really, is up the Northeastern Corridor and maybe like LA to Vegas. But and it's still gross. It's still gross. You know how much it costs to go from New York to DC right now on the Amtrak? $343. $19. I was close. I was close. <laughs> $19. That's why they it's come incredible. to the dog. It's usually, you know, at the, mo- at the least it's 69 or 70 when you get it way in advance and, you know, you sit in the shitty section, although they're all shitty sections. Um, Amtrak. Uh, Amtrak is 19. literally like the brand has gotten so bad and tired. It's almost sort it of cute. It's so pretty. It's, so, it's, so it's cute. not nice. They're not nice trains. Anyway, I'm sorry, Amtrak, but I ride it. I used to ride yeah. it a lot before the pandemic and I will continue to ride it. But boy, you got it. I met my hero on Amtrak. Who? Marguerite Vestier. Oh, she did was you? knitting. That she was knitting. Nice. And I went up to her That's and said, nice. Can I have a cell phone? She was I very friendly. I just with her. She's looking good. Yeah. Let me just say, I, I did a yeah. Zoom thing with her recently. She's looking good. She wasn't knitting during the event. Yeah. Did you, what did you say to her? I went up and I said, probably, I'm a huge fan. And she looked up at me and I thought some like Nordic CIA agent was going to tackle me. And she like <laughs> had this huge smile and she stood up and I took a <laughs> selfie with her. I never do that. Yeah. But I, she's I quite think something. she's a gangster. I, I think she's okay, fantastic. Well, I'll bring her on this show. I'll yeah, here we, show. here we go. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to buy you what, that rabbit code. Do we have to go back to my do? old jokes? What if you would you do if I told you I have Anderson Cooper to come on Sway? I'd feel jealous because I'm the one that's supposed to reach out to I'm him. Sorry and I'm to building tell you. up to that. I'm building up I'm to that. Sorry it. to tell you. He's coming on fucking Sway. Don't even say that. Don't even go there. Seriously. Don't uh, even go there. If he shows up. Ah, <laughs> Actually, I have Don Lemon coming on with this book. Don Lemon. Yeah, I'm Don not going to ask. I wasn't, I'm not going to, Anderson is a bridge too far, though I certainly would love to have him on Sway, no. but I won't do it. I got you, didn't I? I got you. You thought for a minute because you thought I could get him, right? Correct? Yeah, Did no. I get you? That, that you just, you, you you know better than to go there. I that know, but be, it was a good April Fool's, wasn't it? Yeah, I didn't. That's right. It's April you Fool's. You did. You could see your face. You, nobody no. can see his face, but he was like, has she betrayed me? The final betrayal. Who else would be a betrayal? Who is Anderson Cooper? Um, Who? I don't know. We've Almost had anyone. we've had Fareed Zakari. Uh, if we if yeah. you got Angela Merkel, she's another hero of mine. That would be very upsetting. Well, that might happen. That I'm gonna, not going to give you Angela, but I will give you Ando. Ando is yours yeah. and forever. And you know what? I'm emailing him today or texting him <laughs> because we have each other's phone number. <laughs> And we use emojis. We use. That was so exciting. That was good. Scott, let's go on a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Facebook's latest defense and Trump's failed hack. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, Who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Scott, we're back. We are back. Nick Clegg, Facebook's Vice. You're still getting over my April Fool's joke. I can't think Nick about Clegg. anything else. I'm still kind of shaking. Oh, come on. I'm I would never do I'm that shaking. to you. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Scott, we're back. Nick Clegg, Facebook's Vice President of Global Affairs, published a Medium post saying Facebook doesn't promote extreme content and unveiling some changes for users. Meanwhile, Trump tried a new trick to get back on the site. In his post, uh, Clegg writes, Facebook systems were not designed to reward provocative comment because advertisers don't want to appear next to extreme content. Does this seem plausible? He says the overwhelming number of things people see are about pet uh, pets, babies, and vacations. He went on about that for a little bit, mm-hmm. and also in an interview with Casey Newton. He also argues, which really makes no sense, that pushing extreme content would only be a short-term strategy, a sugar rush, as he puts it, but they want to keep people coming back for 10, 20 years. So why would they do it? Um, 
Facebook is introducing a feed filter bar to make some of the controls like display chronological order more prominent um, and other ways to do that. He says they're also trying to make the algorithm more transparent by allowing you to click on three dots and ask, why am I seeing this on any content, which should have been there in the friggin' first place. But anyway, so I'll get to Trump in a second. What do you, uh, Nick Clegg is a clever man, but goodness sake, what do you think? So I'm going to go out on a limb here. All right. And suggest that Nick Clegg is not being 100% forthcoming with us. But he's charming. Uh, yeah. Well, charming he's, British man. He's a handsome British guy. I think I met him at, at Can, in Cannes. But you didn't take a selfie with him like Marguerite Vestager. Oh, no way. His sworn enemy, by the way. Go ahead. Oh, really? Um, no, look, well, I, I don't, at this point, why do they do, I, I don't even understand this from a PR strategy. I think that they should release data that shows that. But yeah. any he individual. Well, any individual that has a Facebook card, the immediate assumption is you're a liar, you're trading your reputation for money, and that you are you are essentially the nemesis of the Commonwealth, and that you are uh, the fuel and the agent of teen depression, the weaponization of our democracy, and a general lack of regard for other human beings. Welcome to Facebook. That's the kind of the employee handbook. Yeah, it was an, it was it was an interesting thing. I think they're trying to pull on. There's two things that I will give them credit that, not credit for that I agree with them is that polarization did not start with Facebook. This there's lots of studies and it's mixed. It's a mixed bag on these things of where polarization polarization's been in existence forever. It's the it's the fueling of it. It's the constant fueling of it. And even his his whole thing was like when you go to your site and you see your friends fighting with each other or your family or this or that. Mm-hmm. That's not what's really happening. And I'm like, well, then show the stuff, then show the stuff. It's, it's, or let, let independent researchers in there. And then of course it's, well, we have these arguments about uh, data, keeping data safe and this and that. And so uh, it's, it'll, they keep promising to open it up more so you can see what's happening, but Mm -hmm. said, just take our word for it, I think is what he was kind of do here. And nobody's taking their word for it. I think that, I think opening up the data to independent people and not fucking with it would be a really important thing. I do agree with them. Why? would you want uh, uh, extreme content on there? I do think it's like a pernicious kudzu, essentially. They can't stop it. I don't think they want it necessarily. I, I think that argument that they want it is not true. It's not good for them. Um, but it certainly is, and it's not good for advertisers, but this idea, then show me that he would started talking about with Casey, a, a bear, a mother bear. <laughs> and I was like, that is not what people experience of Facebook is um, if you just delve down very quickly. So, and some of this stuff to let people filter things more, essentially make your own Facebook is are interesting, but long overdue. Um, I don't know. I don't understand it. What, why do you think he did this now? What is the, what is the impetus? I, I, I had trouble processing anything after you said pernicious kudzu. <laughs> <laughs> That's pernicious me completely. You're still getting that is really good. Joke. In any case, you really, I don't you wouldn't, understand. You wouldn't this. actually invite Anderson. Right? I just want to. I just want to like confirm no, that you. Not. Know. Okay, I will not so invite like, Anderson look, Cooper. Uh, nothing. Nobody believes anything Facebook says anymore. They should, if they have data to back that up, they should release the data. But the general rule when you become a senior executive, whether you're Campbell Brown or Nick Clegg, is like you have had a great career, building a lot of credibility. We're going to throw. We're Donald Trump. We're gonna we're gonna ruin your credibility for a long, long time. But we're gonna pay a lot of money, and so it's worth it. And people make that trade. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Um. The whole argument around this is the Jack Dorsey argument that that unfortunately the internet is bad, and we just represent yeah. the internet. And, and I just don't, that that that's eerily similar to guns don't kill people, people kill people. It does feel like that, and it's just it? you know actually you have made things worse, and you're so yeah. powerful that. That you you deserve uh, scrutiny, and by the way, I just you know I mean it all adds up to just a bad place. Who is the new biggest uh, spender on lobbying? It used to be big oil. It used to be big tobacco. Now it's big tech. And what do these companies have in common? Generally speaking, their externalities are really are really awful. It's going to be. It's an interesting thing that they continue to. They, they, I, I get why they do push back, but at the same time, you can't have a cogent argument with him because you just don't believe him. You you, it's like a, it's like a bad look, boyfriend. The, you're like, no, the, the, you're lying. The solution here, even if they're not. Look, there is yeah. good in Facebook. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. at Facebook that are really good people, and I think are genuine about trying to do the right thing. <laughs> this company will never have any credibility. This company will never be able to pivot to being a decent citizen until until two things happen. Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg leave. Cancer and lipstick on cancer roll out of there. 
And and people say, well, that'll never happen. Then, okay, then Facebook will never be taken seriously for any attempt at goodwill. They, they, I mean, enough already. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's the it's only thing they could sitch. do. If shareholders really said, all right, this is an amazing They're business. They're making a ton of money. They're not going to do it. I, I agree. Anyway, meanwhile, I agree. This is, meanwhile, Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara, uh, somewhat like Kara, but not, totally opposite. Uh, you two remind me of each other. wrote <laughs> <laughs> an interview with him yeah. on her Facebook and Instagram account. Facebook nixed it, saying it was in the voice of Trump and was not allowed, which was interesting. Um, probably virtue signaling here. And Lara got all mad saying we're in the age of Orwell. Um, mm-hmm. She's just trying to, she's such a sneaker. She sneaks around things. Uh, give her credit for that, I guess, um, which was interesting. And then in the interview with Casey Newton, Clegg talked about what's going to happen with the Facebook decision. They're going to have to abide by it. They're bound by it. Um, if the, you'll see how sophisticated it is because uh, Trump also broke all these rules. Uh, so it's going to, you know, he can't keep, he can't get a full, you know, a full pardon here at the same time. The, the board can't give him a full pardon if he keeps breaking the rules. So it's a, he said they, they're going to, he said it's going to bind them, um, which is interesting. So what do you think of this, the, the Trump situation? Maybe it's not going to be as important to Trump going forward. I, I literally think the, one of the biggest tax cuts we've ever registered emotionally and I do understand that there's some danger to this. And even Bernie Sanders seemed concerned about yeah. a ban of Trump. Having less Trump in our lives, and yeah. I, I say this as, you know, I guess a progressive, but I, my life's been much nicer the last eight weeks. Hasn't your yeah. life? Uh, so Yes, and his people can get his stuff. That's, by the way, they, if they want it, they can have Trump all day. There's all ways to avail yourself to Trump if you really yeah, miss if you him. Really, if you really, you can get, yeah. go, go get yourself so some Trump. It, this decision's coming at some point. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. But, you know, this idea of them sneaking around, like it, they, they're allowing like interviews if he did 60 Minutes, but Lara's a close, they have a group that they're like, these are the, his promoters, like his family family members, and they can't try to do a, a walk around. He tried to do that after he was banned from Twitter, and Twitter shut everything down. Like, they were trying to get Dan Scavino and others tried to put his tweets up and this and that. And they haven't really tried on Twitter, because then they'll get right. They I, sh- I don't shut understand down all the hammering over this. I, I have Me I neither. heard about this guy who went into One Medical. I love One Medical. And and someone asked him to put on a mask, and he flipped off uh, the, the mm-hmm. person, and they banned him from all of one medical. And I'm like, okay, they're allowed to do that. Yep. that and I Agreed. think that's a good move. And maybe it's wrong. I don't know. Maybe it was freedom of speech. I, but no, I don't understand. They're a private people. company. Why all this hand-wringing? And when, when they decide, you know, we're so important that we've evolved to the point where any time we ban or don't ban someone, it's a question of free speech and societal. It means they're too powerful and they not. need to be regulated. So I don't yeah. – I just don't understand why a private company needs to – all this hand-wringing. To, okay, is our service, is shareholder value – is our yep. health for the world better without these elements on our platform? And if the answer is yes, okay, that's all they need to yep. answer to. I don't, I don't and they get certainly it. can do it, which is sort of goes against Nick's idea that they can't. He didn't really cover that in this piece. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on and take a listener mail question. I agree with you. I think it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're going to be talking about this issue. I'm not because I know it's near and dear to your heart, cancel culture, but I'm going to call it what Roxanne Gay calls it, consequence culture. <laughs> we'll discuss what that means on Monday. <laughs> That was my ha-ha. Yeah. It's consequence culture. It's not cancel culture, for fuck's sake. Anyway, moving on. Let's take a listener mail question. Okay. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hey, Karen Scott. First off, Kara, congratulations on the adoption being official. Blessings to you and your beautiful family. I'm sure you all have seen the latest research from Gallup saying those who claim membership in a church or faith community has dropped below 50% in the USA. As a United Methodist clergy person in Dallas, I have many questions about this, but my question for y'all is, do you see this as a rise in secularization or a general evolution from membership to subscription where people are consuming spirituality much like they do media? If so, what does a faith rundle look like, Scott? How can technology benefit faith communities? And how can I get in touch with folks at WeWork or Airbnb to discuss co-working sacred space? I know a lot of spaces that are far too empty. Love your show. Thank you for writing in this question. I am not a religious person. Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic, but have not uh, been inside a Catholic church since I was confirmed, I think. So this is an interesting question. What do you think, Scott? I think there's been some really fascinating stuff done online with religion over the pandemic, for example. Uh, so I'm a rabid atheist. Atheism is mm-hmm. a core part of my being. It gives me a finite right. nature of life and motivates me. Um, All right. uh, it's been a real positive in my life. Uh, I'm an agnostic. Um, agnostics are just 
uh, agnostics are atheists that are wimps. Come out of the closet and say you're a fucking atheist. I used to, not, I used to say I that too. I, I believe there's something, but I don't know which one. That's it, such bullshit. Anyways, <laughs> I, it's hard to get away from the Catholic grow a parent, come to atheism. Anyways, no, I don't. Anyways, no, I can't do look, it. Look, I, I think one of the most dangerous and disappointing things in our uh, in our country is the decline mm-hmm. in church attendance. I th- uh, I grew up, my dad's been married and divorced four times. So I went to mm-hmm. a variety of religious institutions growing up, Presbyterian Church, Temple. And yeah. I think it's wonderful when people and Americans yeah. get together once every Sunday to hold hands and think about agency and something bigger than themselves, show empathy, greet their neighbor, sing together. Physically. This isn't a physical element, not just online. But I think churches. I think church is yeah. wonderful. And yeah. I, it, I think too. one of the reasons we have more mass shootings, we have more depression, we have loneliness, mm-hmm. is we have lost the connective tissue between Americans. And one of the connective tissues uh, the, uh, traditionally in American society has been has been religion. And I don't even think of it as worship of a God. I think of it as worship of a community. And and the kind of central star, if you will, of the role model started with this great viewpoint of love the poor. And it's just not a bad idea to get together every Sunday and talk mm-hmm. about how we should love the poor. I think a lot of these young men who ended up being mass shooters, I wonder what would have happened if they'd been actually that the, the one guy at the Agent Spa thing. Come yeah. to think of it, he had a real conflict yeah. with religion. It's a complicated yeah. issue, but I would argue that church, as a society becomes more educated and wealthier, church attendance goes down. But we still have these huge questions, and unfortunately, we've replaced spirituality with this fetishization of the nearest thing to mysticism and godlike, uh, godlike impression, and that is technology. Yeah. And, and instead of instead of church attendance, instead of worshiping Jesus. Uh, and I'm I'm a big fan of JC. I think he's a wonderful man. I do believe he existed. I just don't buy his lineage. The problem is we've replaced him with a man, effectively or theoretically, with a man who denied his own blood under oath to avoid child support payments when he was worth a quarter of a billion dollars. That oh, our new Jesus Christ, our Jack Dorsey and Steve Jobs, and it's really unhealthy. So I think uh, I'm a huge fan. I give money to churches. It's actually Elon. I, it's funny that you picked those two. Elon's Elon's the new Jesus. The Jesus. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. I, I think yeah. it's terrible for our society. And I say that as someone who's 100% convinced that when I am about to die, I'm going to look into my kids' eyes and our relationship is coming to an end. I do not believe in an afterlife. But I think church, the decline in church attendance uh, signals something really unfortunate in our society. It does. And it plays into one of the things I've been watching a, an excellent series. I've mentioned it before on HBO, um, uh, Into the Storm, the Q non documentary, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. And one of the things, there's such a sad underbelly to our world. And again, it sort of plays into Nick Clegg. It's, it was always there. But boy, does the internet take it to new levels. You know, these 8chan and stuff like it's disgusting and, and really depressing. And actually, the founder of 8chan is the one that went that way. It's just, it was, there was a point, there's a limit to free speech at some point. Yeah. Anyway. We'll see. We're not very religious, sir. I don't know. That is a good idea. We we think that that there should be more uh, ability for people to get together in a community of faith, whatever they. It's a to huge be. issue that we keep talking <laughs> about issue. dispersion, and that is we're all yeah. we're all you know less time yeah. at work, and the the cousin, yeah. the evil cousin to dispersion is segregation, and it's not only segregation yeah. physically, it's segregation emotionally, and we we don't interact with people when we don't see people of different demographic groups at the mall. Or and, the movie theater. And like schools. Yeah. And like schools for K through 12. Maybe not college as much, but K through 12. You really oh do my need gosh. to be physically in place. Although I think some of Where the Where did you go to high school, Kara? Were, uh, if I say it, you're going to say I'm like rich white person. Oh my God, Princeton even whiter? Did you go to Exeter or Fieldston or something? <laughs> no, I almost did though. Uh, Princeton Day School. Princeton Day School. Uh, and I'm going to be giving the commencement address there uh, this year. Good for you. That's yes, nice. That's really nice. Yeah, Princeton. It's, it was a, it's a lovely private school in Princeton, New Jersey, which is already a lovely, a lovely town. lovely private anyway. school in Princeton, New Jersey. Okay. Yes. From the mean yeah, streets of Princeton, New Jersey. Garrison. <laughs> my streets were not me. I, oh, you know what? God. I am a hardworking rich person is what I am. <laughs> All right. Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. 
Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed to the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, prediction time. You, 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 you sort of said you had a prediction and you sort of gave us a little preview, but give it to us. Well, um... Uh, I'm fascinated by the kind of the real estate tech space, and I've oh, I've, yeah, I've wanted are. to look more into Open Door and Redfin and some of those guys. But I think that my prediction is WeWork, shockingly enough, is going to overperform over the next twelve months. And I think yeah, which you and I think about? Compass is going to underperform. I think Compass really is trying to pretend some to be something it isn't. And I, I look to the S one, and I'm trying to understand. What about these massive investments they've made because of the cheap capital are sustainable? Because the majority of these investments have been in commissions to brokers. And uh, I don't see how that creates sustainable advantage. Um, because they can leave, because they can go somewhere. 78% of their revenues go to commissions to individuals who will literally walk across the street the same day if you say, I'm yeah. giving you 10% more in commission because- Like the agency business. Yeah, and, and the question is, are they making investments in technology that create so much differentiation and ability to get more deal flow that the brokers say, well, I'm going to stay here. There's some sort of, I mean, for example, Magic. Goldman Sachs could technically pay their traders a little bit less commission because they're just going to get more deal flow. And when you show up at the Goldman Sachs, the one thing I will say about my friends who have left Goldman or Morgan Stanley or McKinsey is they don't realize how powerful a calling card that was. And when then when they start calling yeah. people and say, hey, I want to work with you, I'm retired, I'm just sort of like, their calls aren't returned quite as quickly. Yeah, And I don't know if that's true. It, uh, I don't know if the, how much enterprise value Compass yeah. is is building. So anyways. I, I have an excellent Real estate agent, I don't, I've never talked technology with her once. So you have an agent at Compass. Yes. And if they, she goes, well, I bought if my she goes to Prudential or Corcoran, go you'll her. go with her. Yeah. So I'll go with her. So that means a lack of enterprise value. To get, they have been able to retain her, but at some point, will she just yeah. go to another firm? Yeah. And there's been no technology that I, that I, that I think that I couldn't find myself on Zillow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that's, I couldn't compare that's and what contrast. it feels like. like and so these yeah. firms trade at that firm. Good real estate agency. So Sotheby's. Fine. And they have the best listings. They do have good Sotheby's listings. Sotheby's is a great brand. it doesn't matter. It's a great brand. It's part of Realogy. And they trade at 0. Mm -hmm. 0.25 times revenue. So 0. 0.25 times <laughs> $3.5 billion would be a $900 million market capitalization. And this thing yeah. was supposed to go out of $10 billion. They've cut it to seven. This just yeah. feels like a slow burn downwards. and I. Th but WeWork is sort of actualized back to what it's supposed That's to be, right. correct? I think, I think their vision... I'm a, look, I, if you have the right guy or gal running the company, things usually work out. And I know Sandeep Matrani, the guy who runs WeWork now, and he's a talented operator. So yeah. anyways, uh, a year from now or six months from now, compass down, we work up. All right. Okay, that's a good prediction. That's an excellent well, prediction. Thank you. And a good one, too. You're Close being generous. Uh, Praise uh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. Let's go to church. <laughs> but in any case, neither of us are very religious, but we— have respect. Yeah, I told you I was, I was. As long as they get the fuck out of gay people's way and stop trying to ruin their lives. That's I told my, you I was an altar boy in a Catholic church for a while, right? Really? Yes, I was touched. Uh, okay. <laughs> Come on, that's go good. That's that. good pedophilia I'm not, humor. I'm not even going to dignify good that with a response. pedophilia humor. I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going now touched. to interview uh, Anderson Cooper. So I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> 
Don't, that's, seriously, <laughs> don't you. don't you're go still, there. You're still you're still you're still you're still triggered by don't it. Go there. I'm not going to talk to. No, I'm there's not, a part am, of you that likes to hurt me. There's a part well, of you. Well, it is April Fool's Day, and it worked. So let's just live with it. I, I, now I know your weak points, and it has to do with Anda. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, Scott, I want you to do. I'm going to do something nice for you since I teased you about Ando, et cetera. Um, I can't wait. I literally, I can't wait for this. Well, <laughs> I, I want you to plug your show, the Prof G Show. It's part of the Vox Media Podcast Network now. Yeah. Tell us about it. Uh, Tell us. Give us some specifics. It's kind of more of this minus minus the journalistic credibility. Um, <laughs> Okay. No, we the Prof G show. We I've done it for a while. We've just joined Vox. We do a breakdown of of, of what I think is the most underreported story in business, and we do office hours, which is my favorite part, based on my favorite show that I used to watch with my mom, Frazier. We do kind of a Colin show. And then we right. do an algebra of happiness moment where instead of trying to jab and take advantage of people's emotions, I try to discuss <laughs> them. I'm trying to anyways, uh, but uh it, anyways. Give me an example. What, what what moment did you have? Let's have one right here. Uh, uh, what moment did I have? Yeah, like what is the moment of happiness? The- well, I think I think uh, so. I'm doing. A, I'm recording. You talked about speaking at your, the, the being the commencement speaker at your graduation. Mm-hmm. I've been asked to do a lot of uh, record a lot of videos for graduations because they're all virtual now. And yeah, mine and everybody mine gives you. Everybody gives you advice uh, in these graduation mm-hmm. videos. And the advice that we were given when I graduated from business school in the 90s was go to work for Dell or Microsoft or go to Russia, which was supposed to be the land of opportunity in the 90s. Yeah. And I said, Ooh. just avoid most of the advice. And the only piece of advice I can give these kids that I know is absolutely true is that mm-hmm. they will never regret at that age telling the people who've helped them get to that point that they love them and they appreciate them. That's the only oh, thing when I look back nice. that I wish I'd done more of. And I and the the little the the little that I did, I'm just hugely grateful for. Oh, if you're tearing up, oh how lovely. That's because I didn't work lovely. out today because you started this fucking thing early. <laughs> now I'm all teared up. <laughs> all right. Thank you for doing that. I need to that. go do the CrossFit. The Prof G Show is part of the Vox Media Podcast. It's Mondays and Thursdays. You should listen to it. It's an excellent show. And it's here on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Um, so more of Scott. If you don't get enough That's of right. him here, That's which is a lot. That's what we all need. More Scott. Must, more must Scott. the dog. Master Doug. We'll be back on Tuesday. Again, we'll be talking about consequence culture. Um, go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your Jesus questions Christ. for the podcast. Don't make fun of me. We're going to have a long debate. I'm bringing someone in who's going to back me on this in any case. Oh my God. It's called consequences. Yeah. All right. Uh, submit your question for the podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Uh, Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Camila Salazar. Ernie Entretot engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify. If you liked our show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for a breakdown of all things tech and business. We all need a place where we can get around friends and strangers, grab hands, and, and, and express our gratitude for being a part of something bigger and recognize our blessings. Church, church. Applebee's. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.